Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 175. Well, hello and good morning. It is Friday, the 24th of May as I record this. We are just about to wrap up the month of May, which has been both the month of mom and mental health awareness month. This particular episode is a fantastic interview with a psychologist and just wonderful woman, Tracy Clayton, as she talks to us about her her great book that she wrote with her twin boys called Abundant Kids Rock. We had a really fun time interviewing Tracy and getting some tips and tools and resources for um, how to respond to certain situations and how to not respond to others and just all kinds of great conversation topics as we really focused in on trying to create healthier mindsets for our kids. Also, for the month of May, we are running a really special special on the Lose the Cape website. If you head over to losethecape.com forward slash month dash of dash mom, or if you just go to the website, you'll get a big old fat pop up in your face that um, if you head over to Amazon and purchase any one of our Lose the Cape books, there are four of them now, any one of them, and they broach a whole bunch of different topics from just early parenting, like learning how to be a mom and the things you need to do, to funny stories about being a mom, to getting ready to survive the tween and teen years, to being politically and socially engaged in how to raise children that are aware of these types of issues and and getting involved as well. If you purchase any one print copy, we will give you all of the books for free in ebook format, both for Kindle, iBooks, or the PDF. It's a fantastic deal. We really want to spread the word about our incredible books and celebrate moms um, during this month of May. So we hope you will head over to the website and check that out at losethecape.com. As always, you can get all of our podcast notes and show uh, links and all of those types of things at losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 175. And we hope you enjoy the show. Also, be safe this Memorial Day weekend. I will, as always, be remembering my grandfather who was killed while flying an F-100 back in the 60s and my very good friend from when I was in the Air Force, Ryan David, who was a good friend of mine and killed in a C-130 crash in, uh, gosh, it's been about six years ago now, six, seven years, oh, longer than that. Good grief. Time just goes by so quickly. Anyway, have a safe time if you're out on the water, going to parties, going to the pool. We will be, and um, have a have a great, great time with your family. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Lose the Cape podcast with Alexa Bigwarf and Nancy Caviones as your co-hosts. Today we are bringing a wonderful woman onto the show who has created a really, really cool book. Dr. Tracy Clayton has 25 years as a PhD clinical psychologist helping kids and adults and also as a PhD leadership and psychologist and consultant to global companies, Fortune 500 executives and CEOs. She she had a huge aha while writing a healthcare leadership book about the negative mindsets, mindsets that keep the industry stuck. 
If only those leaders had grown up with positive thinking habits, like can do, will do, abundance attitudes, we could find ourselves in a much healthier place. So this inspiration led her to write a joyful book for kids and parents with her own 10-year-old twin boys. And um, they've just had a blast doing it. The book is an Amazon bestseller. It's called Abundant Kids Rock. It was the number one new release in family health and school-aged children. She's also a speaker and trusted leadership advisor. And um, she teaches the use of simple but powerful tools to help people create joy, happiness, and success. So obviously, we all want to have joy, happiness, and success. And you do this by focusing on positive outcomes and abundance. So let's talk about all of this. What, what brought you to start? Well, welcome, first of all. Thank, Thank you, you for being here. And what brought you to... Um, really, really wanting to hone in on this idea of abundance, positive thinking, and all of these? Well, I think what I realized when I became a mom of twins in particular is that life is hard mm -hmm. and having kids is hard and people need more joy, not just kids, but adults too. And I really wanted to raise my own children with the idea that they can create their own joyful experience and they don't have to really wait for someone else to create that for them. And I think it was so important to me to help people learn what that's like. And I've worked with leaders in my consulting work all around the globe, literally, uh, for some very small companies or Fortune 100 companies, you know, and everything in between. And what I think is the common thing there that I see in my leadership work is that people just don't have the habits and the skills of how to look at a situation and see what's the outcome I really want to create and how can I get there and realize how much power you have to do that just by the way you think and the way you actually decide to feel. And so that was kind of the basis of the whole endeavor. Yeah. That's cool. So I want to ask your opinion on it. Do you think that as a society, like we are, are having a larger occurrence of people with anxiety, depression, and all of these things, or is it just something that we're more aware of, or what are your thoughts on this? It's such a good question. And, you know, for so many years, we talk about uh, epidemics, if you will, in our culture and what's happened around that. And oftentimes what we'll find out is that this thing is not necessarily new. It's just being diagnosed more often, which means it's being either recognized more often or people are becoming less ashamed, if you will, to reach out and ask help. But I think none of us will argue that since the beginning of the time, there's been anxiety and there's been depression and people have that. And so what I think happens is that, especially in our culture today, one thing that is different is that we are in a constant state of overwhelm mm -hmm. and overload yeah. and sensory overload. I feel technology overload in yeah. particular. And so there are days that I really love my work and I really have lots of things that I need to do and would even really love to do. I just don't want to sit down at the computer and do yeah. it. And so I think that part of what happens is people's brains get a little bit overwired, if you will, and that can turn into more anxiety and more depression. And the hard part is that when you're anxious, 
or when you're depressed, you really don't make the very best decision. So then it becomes a vicious cycle and it kind of spirals downward. And that's what we're trying to head off at the pass, if you will. You talk about tools um, and, and things that you have in the book to help people grow those types of things. Can you talk to us about some of those tools and, and yeah. ideas? Sure. So in our book, In Abundant Kids Rock, we have this um, R-O-C-K that really stands for an acronym about different steps that people can take oh, okay. to become become more joyful and to become more abundant. And so the steps are, the R stands for reach and repeat. And so the idea is that you think about something that you want or want to achieve. And so for a kid, it could be, you know, I want to be really great at soccer, or I want to really ace this math test that's coming up or whatever it is that they're struggling with. And so the idea is that you reach for a big goal and you say it and you say it over and over again. That's the R. The O is about opening yourself to the emotions because what we realize is that when we get into an emotional state of joy or happiness or thinking of things that made us happy in the past, it it actually creates a physiological change in the body. And a lot of what's going on with our biochemistry and our physiological responses that lead to anxiety and depression are actually things that we can reverse by beginning to engage ourselves in creating an emotion. So that's what the O is about. The C is about visualization, and we call this creating images in your mind. So the idea is that if you can visualize something and see it, your body and your mind is also likely to respond. So for example, Olympic athletes use this all the time. They do visual rehearsal and mental rehearsal of their events. And what we find is that when we hook up athletes to all this really complicated biofeedback equipment, that when they visualize their sports event in their mind, the same uh, areas of their brain are firing and the same muscles are twitching and responding as if it's almost a real event. So we know that what you think literally has an impact on your body. And so that's what creating an image actually helps you get there faster. And also when we think in pictures, we tend to shut down the anxious self-talk and that's well documented that images can help with that. So we love that step. And then the K is about keep taking action. So in other words, it's one thing to say, oh, just think positive and your life will be positive, but you can't sit on the couch and dream about being a great (laughs) soccer player and then just assume it's going to happen. That's unrealistic. But when you do all of these steps in a row, you think about what it is that you're trying to get. You're trying to pull the emotions into you, how you're going to feel when you succeed at that. You actually start to begin to feel better even ahead of when you're making it happen. You're creating that image in your mind and then you're taking steps. You're getting out there and doing it. And when you put those four steps together, you can achieve success at anything you want so much faster than any one step alone. So that's a big part of it. That's really awesome. I was, as you were describing all of this, these things, I was thinking that your book is actually like a really good, like stepping stone for anybody who's trying to um, move for the first time into things like meditation and visualization and all these kinds of things, because I've been spending the last year, like trying to figure all of those things out. And you just explained it in a really easy, simple way, <laughs> like how, you, <laughs> how it all works together. So I'm like, yeah. okay. 
also the baby book for, <laughs> for, for adults trying to figure out how to implement these things. Um, yes, it's cool. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge, 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 huge believer in the impact of what we believe and how we, um, I, I remember reading a study years ago about um, two of them, the placebo effect with medication, yes. like when they do studies and some people get real medicine, some people get the placebo and how sometimes the people who were getting the placebo responded better than the people yep. actually getting the real, because exactly. they believed, they believed it. And yes. then there was another article that I read about, it wasn't necessarily talking about the power of prayer from a religious perspective, but the power of prayer when it came to people who were hospitalized and were getting better, like the beliefs that they held about the fact that people were praying for them or that they were praying like people that were prayed for and praying healed better and it wasn't because they thought god like healed those people yeah. it was because of yeah. like yeah. you know the the belief behind it so the brain is a is a fantastic yeah. thing um i mean my, when my grandmother before she passed away she had like um like quite a few years where she was like ill she had cancer and stuff but she always um, had like this really positive attitude, you know, my father would say, you know, it's that positive attitude that is like keeping her going Absolutely. and like gets her out there and stuff, even when she's not feeling well. So I like totally, you know, believe that, that you, that, you know, a positive attitude is really going to be the thing that keeps you going, whether you believe that people are praying for you. Or you just like had the personality type where you just tend to just look on the bright side of things. Yes. And that's so yeah. true, Nancy. And there's a lot of actually evidence that they take, for instance, breast cancer patients and they'll put them into two different groups and one that has social support, right? They actually have a better survival rate than those who participated in no group. Or we can hook people up to biofeedback equipment and we can say, make your right hand cold and make your left hand warm. And people can do it and, and show a noticeable temperature. So we know that what you think actually has an impact physiologically on the body. And so wow. that's something that people tend to forget. And we will toss aside the placebo effect is, oh, yeah, that's, I've heard about that thing. Like it's a magic trickster sort of deal. But the placebo effect is an effect. And it really is the power of yeah. your own brain believing something and then your body physiologically responding that to create what it is that you actually believe you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And the good news and bad news about that is it works both ways you know, both ways. If I believe I can't do it, I'm overwhelmed, everything's yeah. bad, I'll never get there. Well, guess what? Your body responds to that too and pulls you down further into depression. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. And sometimes we think, okay, I'll wait until I'm not depressed and then I'll feel happier. But we forget that if we change the way we think, then we won't be depressed, yeah. right? So I mean yeah, that's why we like, you know, they tell people to bake it till they make it, you know, because <laughs> it works. You, um, I can't remember somebody, um, there was like a woman on a TED talk. Um, I want to think that it was Amy Cuddy, but I'm not sure. But she had this whole thing like about the power pose. Yeah. And how you had to just pretend that you were confident. And then people would respond to that. And then that would actually make you feel confident. Whereas you know, you were baking it in the beginning, but then it turns into a real thing. Yes. Because you're projecting that and you're believing that you're a confident person. 
Yeah. One of our favorite tools in our house to use to get people going on this route, because we all have bad days. I mean, the, my children and I wrote this book on positive thinking. Don't go thinking we're Susie Sunshine all the time, right? <laughs> that does not happen. That's not true. That's not real life. But I do believe that because we have all these techniques that we're constantly trying to use and practice that when we hit a rough spat, a spot, we don't stay there long, right? And we can get out of it quicker. So one of the things that I'm a huge fan of is using affirmation cards. And you can buy these card decks that just have little sayings on them. And even in our book, we have a section in the very back that just lists, you know, 50 different affirmation statements that people can read and look at. So we keep those handy, but you can also buy these on cards and there's lots of different decks, different artwork, some for kids, some for adults. You can just Google stuff and find all kinds of great things out there. Mm -hmm. And we mention a few different authors in our book who've written these, but the idea is that you take out one card and you can use one in the morning and just say, this is my thought for the day. And the thought might be, um, for example, I could just pick one out of here. I focus on being the absolute best version of me. And you go through the day and that becomes your focus. Or I'm unique and people appreciate my gifts. Right. And just saying that to yourself over and over as you go throughout the day will change your day. And yeah, you I think it. Right. Didn't you, Alexa, just um, get affirmation cards for your retreat next mm -hmm. week? Yeah, absolutely. We had um, affirmation cards made for um, healing cards for grieving mothers. Oh, yeah. To give to all the attendees. So, yeah. And the woman who made them also does them for, um, I took a pack down to my aunt who's going through uterine cancer treatment. And they're um, affirming cards for people going through um, medical issues or things like that. And they're things like my body knows how to naturally heal and repair. My life is a blessing and leads me to new adventures and um, just things like that to help you like really, we'll put a link in the show notes actually to these affirmation cards by Marietta because they're beautiful and they're, they're helpful. I mean, just to get up every day and to say something like that in your, in your time is just, it's really a, it makes a big difference. I know for me, like I have a tendency, I'm a weird person. I'm like, but I'm generally like really optimistic. I'm an optimistic person. I'm always the glasses half full type thing, but I can slide really fast into the, oh, everything is terrible. This is a mess. Oh my gosh, we're never going to survive this. What do we do? But the good news is I bounce back really fast. Yeah. So <laughs> things like that are really good for me because if I can just, at, for like what my, one of my clients wrote a book called Flip the Switch, the mindset switch, how to yeah. flip the switch, you know, and, and uh, affirmations are very, are very helpful for me to do that. But I actually wanted to ask you when we were talking about the whole like, negative mindset and the, the, the downers and all this kind of stuff. So I have two children that are kind of like, woe is me, my youngest in particular, every day, it's the worst day in the world. I'm having the worst day ever. And so <laughs> I'm curious as to like, how you uh, retrain the brain of somebody who is so used to looking at the bad side and so used to saying, everything bad is happening to me and, and how you switch it so that you know, my seven-year-old is not running around all day. Every day is the worst day. <laughs> like, what happened 
Paris. Somebody stole my pencil. And that's worth crying over. That's the worst day ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what I would say is it's really good that you're asking because obviously, you know, you care and we want to help kids deal with that. I think it's true that there are some individual differences, right, that are a little bit hardwired into how much we each respond to emotion, how intense our emotions are. You know, some people have a huge cycle up and down. Other people are sort of more in the middle. and Some people are just sort of flat, right? There are differences like that. But I think the most important thing for children is to know, first of all, that they're seen and that they are heard, mm -hmm. right? That, that helps children feel loved and they feel like they belong. And so part of it as a parent is just trying to validate, even though that drama tantrum at the moment is very inconvenient when you're a parent and you're trying to get ready or get kids to school or whatever, I get it, I've been there. But, but to recognize the feeling and validate the feeling, but then also help kids learn to offer a solution around you know, when you're feeling really upset, what are the things you can do? And sometimes I'll tell my kids, go get the book you just wrote. And I want you to read through it until you find a chapter that's really helpful for this situation. Then come tell me about what you're going to do, right? What's your plan? And they'll go do that, right? But it's not always top of mind about how to get out of it. So that's one thing is just giving kids options around alternatives mm -hmm. and not judging them for the feeling, which is really hard if you have a kid that's much more dramatic than you yeah. would prefer them to be. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. I think the other thing is, I was on a podcast recently and somebody was asking about how to help their teenager who was, you know, getting into very negative mindsets right that, like that. And our advice was, it's very hard to tell people to just change their thinking from, oh, be positive, you know, when they don't really believe that or when they don't feel that. It's sort of sometimes too big of a jump or it's too hard to flip the switch. But what I find is that when you can be of service to others or do something that creates joy for other people first, it sort of brings the joy back to you. So in other words, asking that kid who's really negative to, you know, let's go to school today and find five people that you're going to help today. And when you come home, I want you to tell me about it, right? Who are the five people? Or start with three or two, whatever you need to do. Start small. And then when you get kids thinking about what they did that was really helpful or what was really powerful for them, you first of all, it takes their focus away from me and what's going on in my woe is me head. And it gets them focused out on what can I do for someone else? And that in and of itself begins to bring a little bit more happiness. And then when people are feeling a little bit more up, that's the time to sit down and talk about the strategies of, I notice when you feel sad or frustrated, it's really hard to do this because you can't teach a lesson in the middle of the drama. Oh no, no. That's why like, you know, like I said, I have an almost 11 year old and she is like getting hormonal to put it nicely <laughs> you know she'll like have these horrible like tantrums she like stamps you know stomps up the stairs slams the door and all of this stuff and you know my husband will try to talk to her when she is like upset and I'm like don't even try yeah don't even try because she'll come out of her room like 10 minutes later much calmer and then we could talk about it if we need to but I'm just like in the moment 
absolutely not. She needs to like work through her feeling, feel her feeling, and then come down. Yeah. She usually ends up apologizing. We don't ask her to, but she knows that like she created this big disturbance because of her big feelings that she'll come down and she'll just say that like she's sorry. Well, I think it's helpful to realize when we see kids acting like that, most of us, especially moms, are feeling that way in our head all the time, all day anyway. We're just not always expressing it. (laughs) And we learn somehow to manage the overwhelm. And I think just being sympathetic to, oh my goodness, I know exactly how you feel because I'm feeling the same way too, right? It's just a reminder for everyone to take a breath and to have some strategies to calm down. And so we love some of the the apps for meditation for kids. If you haven't seen Headspace, it is fantastic. And they have even little things for as young as toddlers that can use them and little animation videos that can teach kids in one minute or three minutes, just little techniques to use. So things like that and just arming them with strategies. Some kids do better listening. Some kids do better watching. Some kids do better writing about what they're feeling. And so we got to find like, what's the strategy that works for your kid that really helps them sort of find their center again? Um, we, we actually took our daughter to, um, to a therapist a few years ago for her anxiety. And one of the things that she learned, it was actually for my husband and I to help her with her anxiety. Yeah. So, it was like us going to the session. And so one of the things that we learned that I still use with all of my kids now is this breathing thing called the flower and the candle. Uh-huh. So you put your you tell kids to put their finger up in front of their face and pretend that they're smelling a flower. So they take a breath. And then they blow out the candle. Oh, that's good. And it like teaches them to breathe. And so like that is like one like kind of meditative thing that like we use with all of our kids now when they're getting really like, they need to like come down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Really cool. It's really cool. It's like a cool tool that they can use anytime, anywhere. And they don't have to do the finger because once they get the breathing. They know. They do it. They do it anywhere. Really cool. I think do it as a family. I'm sorry, Alexa, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think one of the favorite coping tools that I have learned was through, um, I helped a woman do a book launch for her. She does yoga books for kids. And it was a book called Rachel's Day in the Garden. And this didn't have this particular thing in there, but we were looking at different um, books that she had done. And she teaches like animal poses for stress relief, for yoga, for little kids. Uh I'm telling you what, if you have a toddler these books are so great. And I still do this for today, more for me, because it makes me laugh when my kids are driving <laughs> bonkers. But um, there were all these different animal poses that you could do. And my absolute favorite was the lion. So whenever she is getting like really, really frustrated with something, I'm like, all right, let's do our lion pose because you get down, like you hunch over and you just roar as loud as you can. <laughs> and there's something so releasing about yeah. roaring. I mean, it makes us laugh and it makes her laugh when she she's in a bad mood. She won't do it with me, but I'll sit there and roar at her until she yells at me to stop. But <laughs> yeah, it's just fun. I mean, it's little mindset tricks to help you like really yeah. Like, yeah. reverse the negativity and get back into a place of calm and, 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 and joy. 
Yeah, releasing that noise could be so cathartic. I mean, that's why scream therapy exists. Right, exactly. It's like cathartic exactly. to like scream, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, music too. You know, yeah. music is a big um, support to just changing body, mind, emotions. So if you have your favorite go-to song or the kids have something we always have it close by that we can just put it on really loud in the car, whatever. It's very, very helpful. Something that Tracy said before um, reminded me about this um, concept that I was taught when I was younger, because in um, Judaism, we look at um, things in terms of happiness. So there's like a scale and it's either you're more happy or less happy. Mm. Instead of, you know, looking at it as like a scale of like sadness or anger or whatever, like yeah. you look at it as, um, you know, in everything in terms of happiness. So yes, this, you know, not good thing is happening, but you can still have some level of happiness. You know, you're just a little less happy right now, but that doesn't mean that your entire life is like in the toilet. Right. You know? And I like have tried to teach that to my kids. You know, like this, this is not going to ruin your life. You're just not feeling very happy right now in this moment, but that could change in five minutes. Well, and I think it's okay to recognize too, that we have a lot of emotions, right? That one of the chapters in our book is called even Susie's sunshine has cloudy days. Right. <laughs> and so our point is that we're not trying to take away negative feelings. If you do that, you live just kind of a flat, meaningless plastic life. Yeah. Like nobody yeah. wants that. We want meaning and richness in our lives and, and feelings are a part of that. But if you're having a sad day, it's okay to say, you know, I just think it's a sad day today and that's okay. Or yeah. I think it's kind of, I'm finding myself angry today and anger is okay, right? Yeah. I tell my kids all the time, it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to be rude. It's okay right. to be angry. It's not okay to throw things, right? It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to shout mean things at a friend or a family member. Yeah. So validating those feelings is really helpful rather than I think what most overwhelmed parents want to do is just shut down the emotion altogether. Mm, right? yeah. And so if we look at, yeah, it's a little less happy today and it might even be sad and that's okay. And we're looking forward to another day when that's going to be different and just helping kids realize it's not permanent. And that's a really valuable skill. It's I so interesting that you just said that because I just finished reading this book called Fleischman is in Trouble. It's a novel but in that book, one of the characters talks about how her grandmother who raised her never let her express any kind of emotion. Mm. Was always like shutting her down. And you could see in the book that it really like screwed her up for life. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually exactly what I was about to say. I think that one of, you know, we talked about when we started the conversation, we talked about the negative impacts of how the world has changed with technology and social media and all those kinds of things. But I think one of the best things that has happened through this transformation, whatever you want to call it, evolution, is that we are willing to say that children should be seen and heard. And that we should yeah. be having conversations with them and, and listening to their feelings and, and helping them through it. Because, man, it's a lot easier when you can learn how to 
keep a de-escalate a situation rather than just trying to constantly, I mean, cause kids have strong personalities and I have a couple kids that it doesn't matter how much you tell them to be quiet and stuff. Like they're not going to until they're heard. You can threaten them with everything under the sun. It doesn't matter. They're not going to stop until they're, you know, until they feel heard or whatever, but. And so, so then the challenge, Alexa, I think is that, you know, many years ago, we didn't want to see and hear children. Now, in a place where we want to see and hear children. But the problem is, in some ways, the pendulum has almost swung too far to where yeah, children are thinking, I am the center of that everything, is true. right? <laughs> and I need to be the center of my Instagram account and my social media group. And Snapchat is always about me, 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 me. That's not health, healthy or helpful true. either. That and so true. there's kind of a balance between do we recognize that people have thoughts and feelings that want to be shared? And do we validate children for the things they think, which might be very inconvenient if it's different than what we think or believe and that that's okay and teaching them about that, but also teaching them how to live in a world where, first of all, it's not healthy to focus on yourself all the time. And what are you actually doing to help others and to create more joy for other people and you know what's your focus out there about that and having that balance i think is really critical for raising a healthy kid yeah i would agree all right well we are coming up on time i would love to have you provide um, a, a rundown of the book and and basically if anybody's thinking you know i'm not sure how i would use that or if it's the right book for me what what would you say yeah. So the book is available. Um, the book is available on amazon.com and you can also get it at our website directly at www.abundantkidsrock.com. That's the title. So you can buy it either place and there's an ebook version available as well on the, um, on Amazon as a Kindle. But what's really cool about the ebook version is that it really preserves all this beautiful artwork that we have in this full color book. So it's not just text. Um, so you'll be able to have like all the artwork and the images, if you will. And my thought is that the book is, it's just such a great book for anyone who has children. So we wrote it when my kids were 10. So that kind of nine to 12, 13 year old range is great. But I've had parents tell me, I just sent it to my kid in college because he needs to read this. Uh, I had someone who was 60 and read the book. She doesn't have children at all. And she said, <laughs> oh my goodness, I was using the strategies the very same day I read the book. Right. So, I just think a lot of it, it, even though it's kind of geared towards kids and there's endearing stories in there by the kids, it's anyone who just wants more joy can find value in the book. Great. And little kids can read through and just read the simple sections or, you know, at whatever their level is, they can interact with the book and take value from it, I think. That's awesome. And do you have any particular, like, I would just say, like, is there, do you gear it towards all children or all people that are trying to learn how to be more positive or is there a particular segment or um, just trying to help people determine like if this is something they could, should rush out oh, we think everybody should rush out and get it but you know <laughs> so here's what i would say so Many years ago in this country, we didn't have 100% literacy, right? And we made rules in the school that said children need to go to school, they need to learn to read and write. And pretty soon, within a generation or a generation and a half, we had almost 100% literacy in the country. And part of that is because we're teaching kids basic skills around reading and writing. 
to me, what's in this book are basic skills around emotional management, mm. right? And kids do not get that in school. And many kids don't even get it at home because it's very hard to know how to teach kids and what to teach kids. So to me, this is really a primer in emotional and social management. And it's valuable at that level for any kid who, who can use it. Super. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. I appreciate your time and, um, and everything. Where can people find you to connect with you more? So just reach out to us through the AbundantKidsRock.com website. I also have a personal consulting website. That's DrTracyClayton.com. So D-R-Tracy, T-R-A-C-I, Clayton, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N.com. And either of those places, people can uh, find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye.